Welcome back to the 1611 Defense Podcast. Uh, Kyle Kiker here with Brother Mitch Knup. And uh, we have been uh, pulling our hair out in the studio. This is episode one, so we're, we've been doing sound checks and video checks and uh, enough checkups that I think we've had our share for today. Yeah, we? for today, yes. Yeah, there we go. So anyway, we are finally ready to get to the first uh, the first episode. Uh, episode one, Trail from Three Cities. Brother Mitch, what's the three cities and why is it named that? Well, every place that the Bible was translated and every place that it's been perverted boils down to really three three main places, and they each have characteristics that are followed through, uh, down through history, and history doesn't lie. It, uh, you can revise it, but it does not lie. History is history, and it'll stand. Right. Uh, you have three cities, three main cities, that were instrumental in bringing either the Bible to us or perversions of the Bible, right. and of course, uh, one of them is Rome, which Rome, Italy, had uh, much to do with uh, the translating of the Bible. And then you had the center of learning in the early uh, first three or four centuries was Alexandria, Egypt, named after, of course, Alexander the Great that lived before the time of Christ. And then Antioch, Syria. The Bible said the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch at Acts 11.26, and so those three main areas, now many more cities were used for the work later on, but those three cities or the main three cities incorporated in Bible translating. Right. And that breaks down in then to two lines of manuscripts. Most people think that the Bible uh, from the original manuscripts, the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek, uh, most people think that they, there was just one of many translations down through 2019, but they were actually broken down into two lines. You had a corrupt line and you had an authoritative line or a pure line. Right. And of course, that's where our King James Bible came from, the pure mm-hmm. line of manuscripts from Antioch, Syria. Right. And we'll discuss the, the characteristics of those cities. Right. Well, Amen. Yeah. So, uh, three cities, Rome, Alexandria, and Antioch. I think what we need to start out with, uh, Brother Mitch, I mean, I know the scriptures really go along with this and like the first mentions of Alexandria mm-hmm. and Egypt and and the even the first mention of Syria. Uh, of course, if you use the Bible app uh, that are on many phones, it won't take you to the first mention because Laban was a Syrian. Yes, yeah. You know, and that doesn't really come up if you type in Syria on the Bible app. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so when the autographs were penned, um, none of them were sent to Egypt. No, as a matter of fact, if you begin to look in the Old Testament, God uh, said in Jeremiah chapter 44 that he would not honor any man of Judah that went back down to Egypt. Uh, 
Egypt was uh, rejected as a place of Bible preservation for Antioch, and everything that has come out of Egypt uh, in history has been a perversion. And of course, that's where Alexandria is. Alexandria right. was on was on the north shore of Egypt, and of course, um, it uh, it was the center of learning, as we said. The library in Alexandria had about a hundred thousand volumes as early as the first and second and third century. Right. So uh, it was a place where most of the extremely educated uh, philosophers where they gravitated, many of the Greek philosophers, who, of course, were not Bible believers. Right. And uh, that's where they gravitated. And, of course, uh, Rome was in, in, you know, included in that. And uh, with, those, with those two makes one line, the corrupt line of manuscripts. And out of Antioch, Syria, was the pure line of manuscripts. And, of course, that's where the King James Bible was derived. And so uh, that's one of the greatest arguments yeah. of today. Uh, there's only been one uh, Bible truly, exclusively, from Antioch, Syria, and those Greek manuscripts that came down there. Right. And, of course, after the Council of Jamnia in 90 uh, A.D., uh, concluded that the 39 books of the Old Testament were the exact Jewish canon, and then they were put together in Antioch with the 27 books of the New Testament— and, of course, the first Gentile language that they were translated into, other than, of course, Greek, was Syriac. And right. that's where the Syriac Peshitta came from, about 120 uh, A.D. And so, as you can see, those languages predate the manuscripts of the modern versions, which was Sinaiticus and Vaticanus, by 200-and-some years. Right. And it's always been argued that the King James Bible came from late manuscripts, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Yeah, Lord willing. But so. uh, in continuation, there's each of these cities, like any other city in the Scripture, has characteristics. Jerusalem has characteristics. Bethel had characteristics. Bethany, all of the cities of the Bible, had something they were known for in the Scriptures. And when you begin to look at the translating and preservation and the corruption of the Bible, it's, it follows the same line. In other words, uh, Rome has always been known in history, whether people like it or not. For killing people. Yeah, for, for, for persecution. They've been known for persecution, yeah. for putting those to death that did not agree with them. And they've always been known for their uh, tradition. And there's nothing wrong with biblical tradition. Right. Paul said to keep the traditions that were given unto us, but we're talking about scriptural, biblical traditions right. not as pagan, opposed to... Not pagan traditions. Right, right. The, yeah. op the, you know, the opposition of man. And when you begin right. to look in the Bible, you have a group of people. This is nothing new. When you begin right. to look in the scriptures, you have a group that was there during the time of Christ, and they were Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And those Pharisees were always known for adding to the scriptures, right? And that is exactly what Rome does. So they give added. us give us an example of that, brother Mitch. Well, uh, the apocrypha books. Are you talking about for Rome? Yeah, for Rome and the Pharisees. Okay, added. the Pharisees. Jesus Christ looked at the Pharisees and he told them about the washing of pots and cups. Right. And he said, "You give tithe of anise and mint and cumin. Yeah. These things you ought to do, but not to leave the uh, the other undone." Right. And so, 
what they did between the 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, and of course that was um, uh, Second Chronicles in the Jewish Old Testament, right. the same number of books but just a different order right. in the King James Bible with Malachi, during that 400 years, um, God didn't speak to man. Right. So man spoke to himself and wrote down in uh, documents like the Talmud and the Gemara and the Hakalath and all of these uh, documents wrote down their traditions and the traditions of the elders and a rejection of much of the Old Testament doctrine. Right. That is why when Jesus Christ was on this earth, he berated the Pharisees saying to them, you have made the word of God of none effect by your tradition. Many right. likes things, so do ye. Mm-hmm. So Jesus Christ berated them for that more than anything. And they added uh, they added washing before they ate, which was not right. under the law as far as the way they, uh, they had strict washing of hands and things of that nature. And the disciples were berated for not washing before they ate. Right. And so uh, as far as the Vatican manuscripts, the the Apocrypha books were added, which were produced, many of them, between Malachi and Matthew, some some a little later. Right. But those Apocrypha books, Apocrypha means of doubtful origin or spurious yeah. origin. Right. And so they were added to those Vatican manuscripts, and the same as the Pharisees yeah. added their tradition. So, Brother Mitch, can you give the audience some of the doctrines that the Apocrypha teaches? The Apocrypha teaches prayers for the dead. Mm-hmm. It teaches indulgences. It teaches praying the saints in purgatory, to pray saints right. out of purgatory, which also incorporates a perversion of 1 Corinthians 15 about being baptized for the dead. What that simply means, if the dead didn't rise, why are you being baptized? Right. A death, burial, Picture. and resurrection for someone that's yeah. still dead. Mm-hmm. And the Mormons have a problem with that, and so do the Catholics. But what is not hammering on that tonight? We're talking about manuscripts. But those right. manuscripts that made their way into Rome from Eusebius, who was the bishop of Caesarea, uh, under Constantine in the third, uh, fourth century, right. those came from Alexandria, Egypt. And 50 copies of Vatican manuscript were taken from Alexandria and taken to Rome. And that, along with those other manuscripts, perverted by or Adamantius origin right. in uh, Egypt, those formed what is known as the Vatican Manuscript and the Sinaitic Manuscript. Now, we'll get to that in just a second. Right. But Rome was known for, they were known for persecution. They were known for traditions, for their tradition. Mm-hmm. And they were known for adding to the Scripture. And like I say, right. you see the picture of the Pharisees there. They gotcha. did the very same thing. And yep. Jesus Christ berated them for that more than anything he did. Right. Well, you have another city, Alexandria. And that city was known for, uh, it was known for faulty scholarship. Having to do with the Greeks. Yes, <laughs> yes. Those manuscripts that made their yeah. way to Alexandria, especially during the time of origin, which he lived from 185 to yeah. 254 A.D., he perverted those manuscripts, and they made their way up to Caesarea Philippi, and then they were taken from there, further perverted, and then went out through all of the world and went basically toward toward the west. 
whereas your manuscripts that came from the originals and were preserved in Antioch went to the east, and many of your Oriental languages had those manuscripts long time before the King James Bible was ever translated. Right. So what we need to see in the outset that uh, this is this is this is not new. Sinaiticus uh, subtracted from the Word of God. Not only not yeah. only were they known for for faulty scholarship, but they were known for subtracting from the Word of God, and uh, that's exactly what the Sadducees did. You remember the Sadducees and the Pharisees were always uh, fighting right. against one another because the Pharisees. Uh, at least did believe in the resurrection. They right. believed in angels and spirits. And right. the Sadducees didn't believe that. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in spirits. And that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, little play upon words. But the fact of the matter is, that's nothing new. Those manuscripts called Sinaiticus uh, were found in 1859 by a German textual critic by the name of Constantine Tichendorf. Right. And I can hit on the Germans because Knup, that's German. And so I can criticize them. I think Kiker is a German Yeah, I too. think Kiker is too. I yeah. believe that's where the word church comes from in really? German. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Kirker or Kiker, yeah, from church. I didn't know that. In German. But anyway, the, so, uh, so I can hit upon the Germans. Tichendorf went to a monastery on Mount Sinai in 1859, and he was looking around in the monastery, and in the wastebasket, he found some unsealed, Greek unsealed letters, which are block capital letters, on pages. And he looked at them and perused them. Well, he was only given a certain amount of time uh, there. So I said 1859, that's when he went back. 1844 was the first time he went there. Right. And uh, he was just excited about those manuscripts, those and those pages. He went, went back to his where he was staying and yes. read them all yes. night. Yes, and read them yeah. and read them and eventually took them to Cairo and then took them to St. Petersburg, mm -hmm. Russia. But he was excited, but he noticed when he read those unseals that were produced, cop the original copies of that were produced about 330 A.D., Right, and these were copies of copies of copies that had mm -hmm. been handed down. Well, the monks were using them to start the fires in the monastery. I don't blame them. But Constantine, me neither. <laughs> Constantine <laughs> dug those things out and began to look at them and tried to get them from the monks, and they wouldn't let him have them. So he went and pulled some strings, came back, in uh, 1859, and he was able to buy those pages from the monks, and right. then, of course, he took them. Well, he began to read them and notice that they did not match the Textus Receptus of the King James Bible. Right, yeah. And so uh, he said, well, the King James Bible and the Receptus, the first, the first uh, conclusion that he came to was right. not that these things I dug out of a wastebasket were corrupted. His first idea was uh, that the King James Bible manuscripts, being the Textus Receptus in Greek, which, which means received text, right. that they were corrupt. Uh -huh. They were corrupt and not what he found naturally. Right. So what he did, uh, he came back and he paired, uh, and, and others, Samuel Tregellis was another one, that came back and the... Uh, Manuscripts were put with the Vatican manuscript and formed what is was later called the Westcott and Hort Greek text, and then right. later Nestle's Greek text. And from which come from and which, 
Which, From that comes what versions of the Bible? Well, the RV most notably, the first one in 1881, right. 1885, and then all the rest that followed suit somewhere in the neighborhood of 320 just since just since right. 1880. Right. So what we have on the market today, we have one true Bible, which comes from the proper line, which I'll get to in just a second. Yeah. But then we have perversions of that that come from Alexandria, Egypt through Rome. Right. And so that's why we looked at the corrupt line coming through, because all of those manuscripts either added to or subtracted right. from the Word of God. And the Bible's plain and clear in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, Thou shalt not add to nor diminish aught from the word which I've spoken unto you. Right. Add to, of course, is add. Diminish is take away. Right. So, brother, these manuscripts take away literally thousands of words that were in the Receptus. As a matter of fact, the New International Version that first began to be produced in 1973, the New Testament, the year mm-hmm. I graduated from high school, and in 78, Old New Testament. Then 84, you had another revision. And then lo and behold, in 2011, when we Bible believers were celebrating the quarter centenary right. of our King James Bible. The great imitator years came out. Now, here comes the NIV with a new edition. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Coinky dinky. Yeah, that they came out with a, in 2011. Yeah. But everybody knows the bottom line to these modern versions copyrights. Is, is copyrights and a dollar bill. Right. The bottom line is the bottom line. It's a dollar bill. The King James translators worked seven years, 47 translators, seven years, and the only ones that made a dime off of seven years of their work was the the 12 final review committee that made 30 shillings a week. Which translates to what? Um, A a pittance. I'm not a. I don't know what a shilling is, but I, it's a pittance. It's very yeah, little. It's pretty low. But yeah. but the the uh, the translators did not receive even the printer. Robert Barker didn't right. receive any money from the crown to print it. Right. As a matter of fact, Barker spent the last ten years of his life in debtor's prison because right. of the King James Bible yeah. and people reneging on helping him pay for it. Yeah, yeah. So, so to, to get us all back, that yeah, that's that's good, brother Mitch. So yeah, that's that's basically an overview mm-hmm. of the corrupt line. All yeah, the way so. from from the corruptions, you know, all the manuscripts. I mean, what? Did, who did Paul write to? Okay, every everything was going west. Yes. Okay, yes. west from Jerusalem. Yes, it was. And so none of them were sent east, and we know how the Lord works east yes. to west, right? Yes, that's exactly. So, anyway, so yeah, and we're going to hit more on. We're going to go in more in depth on what Brother Mitch just went through in the upcoming episodes mm-hmm. with uh, Philo and Pantaneus. Is that how you say it? Pantaneus yeah, or what? Yeah. Pantanus. Clement of Alexandria and the school there in Alexandria going, we're, Lord willing, we'll go into that. What these guys believed, uh, how they were Gnostic and, you know, got got stuff from the, from the Greeks. And we know how... Pagan the Greeks were. Yeah, well, we know. see a revival of that today in the New Age movement. Yeah. The, new age, the New Age movement today that they think is some new thing. It's nothing right. but rehash Greek philosophy. Right. Amen. That we don't need a God in heaven. We've got a God in, and all you do is yeah. fan it. It breaks out the spirituality. That's, yeah. the, that's the old Gnostic Greeks and Greek yeah. philosophers that um, that doesn't have a thing to do with the Bible. And right. they, they wouldn't know God from a telephone book. And the fact yeah. is... 
uh, it's, we're seeing a revival of that today. Right. And it's Amen. sad. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we'll, we'll go through that, Lord willing, uh, here in the next episode or two. So the other one, Brother Mitch, let's, let's do an overview of that. So the manuscripts went west into the Byzantine Empire. Yes, yes. All right, pick us up from there. If well, you it, went, it, went through, it went through the Balkans, and then it went through Bavaria. And the Balkans, of course, was at that time it was Yugoslavia and uh, and Czechoslovakia and those areas, and they, which are different today, named differently today. Then it went right. into Bavaria, which is German. And before the time of Martin Luther, there were fifteen uh, Waldensian type non-Latin Vulgate uh, German Bibles in existence. Right. And of course, I have listed right here in my syllabus, but. Uh, then Luther uh, picked up Erasmus, Desiderius Erasmus' second edition Greek text, and he formed the Heiligeschrift, the Holy Scriptures, right. in 1522 so, and 1534. Right. Yeah. So, let me pause you right there, okay. Brother Mitch. And in our introduction, that was uh, kind of a, a mess there with, with uh, technical difficulties. We talked about... Uh, the lessons that are that are coming up the episodes mm-hmm. and so one that I didn't have on there which I'd like you to allude to here is where did Erasmus get his manuscripts from all right Desiderius Erasmus that lived from uh, 1466 to 1536 Erasmus was probably the greatest one if, if a man can be called a scholar now, yeah. the listen, audience, remember that your King James Bible only uses the word scholar twice. And it's in, I think, First Chronicles 25, 8, Malachi 2, 12. Right. And that word scholar, in both cases, is the student, right. not the master. The Bible yeah. says the master and the scholar, the teacher and the scholar. So right. if you are a student, you are, according to this book, a scholar. Right. It's been made to believe today that a man who is a scholar has mastered his subject. Well, right. no one has ever mastered this English Bible to begin right. with. And the fact of the matter is, I am a Bible student. I've been saved 40 nor 45 years and studying the Bible for 44 years. I'm still a student. I don't Amen. claim to be a master. Right. But the when you begin to look at this and 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 look at this uh uh what has transpired over the years, and you see that scholarship has been exalted above uh, faith, right? And and above above true well, biblical knowledge. You know, I know you don't do internet, brother Mitch. No, no text. I'm, I'm kind of low tech. Yeah, but if those of you who have been in this, if you see Facebook discussions on this or go to discussion boards, people arguing about the King James Bible, mm-hmm. they always go from it. Uh, from a scientific standpoint, yes. not a faith standpoint. That's right, because textual you know. criticism is called a science. Right. And that's why your modern versions leave science falsely so-called out of 1 Timothy 6.20. Yeah, 1 Timothy 6.20. Because they yeah. put knowledge. No, no. Science, yeah. There is a true science. There right. is a Bible-based science. But textual criticism is not a science. It right. is a perversion of the Scripture. Right. And I would argue that with anybody. Yeah. So yeah. scholarship is not to be exalted. To being a student of the word and studying the word, now that is supposed to be magnified according right. to Second Timothy two fifteen. And they leave that out of the modern versions. Well, they don't want us to study. No, they don't. Uh, you have two clear cut <laughs> commands in the Bible 
there in 2 Timothy 2.15, and John 5.39 yeah. says, Search the Scriptures. Right. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Now, I'm not an English major. You can already tell by listening to me, but that is an imperative. That's a command. Yeah. The modern versions say, You search the Scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. And, of course, that's a present indicative active. That's not even the same, I mean, the same tense, same case, same anything. And yeah. so it completely changes it. Two commands to study the Scripture and search the Scripture outright in our Bible, and both of them are perverted right. in all of the modern versions. Well, if you study the Scripture, going back to our trail from three cities, yeah. you'll, you'll see that Egypt's a type of the world. Yes, you'll it is. You'll see that Alexandria, you get Apollos. Yes. You know, a guy that's got ba bad Bible doctrine, yes. you know, teaching... Uh, well, we might get a little off subject, but, you know, if you study Apollos out, he's not teaching the gospel of grace, right, is he? Not. No, no, he's not. No, and you run into Augustine yeah. later, and, or some people pronounce his name Augustine, Aurelius yeah. Augustine, but uh, he was a Bible perverter as well. Right. And, of course, many many Baptists exalt him and quote him. The man, yeah. the man was not a Bible believer. The man was a Bible corrupter. So when you begin to look at that, Brother Kyle, uh, yeah. I don't know how much time we have left. We're good. We're good. You begin to look at that, uh, you see that all the line of perversions, and we're talking about, we're talking about two percent mm -hmm. of nearly a fifty-five or fifty-six hundred Greek manuscripts that are extant. Only two percent yeah. of those come from Rome and from Alexandria. And they're not used to translate the King James Bible. This King James Bible came from 98% of the available evidence of Greek manuscripts. Right. Now, I'm not very smart in math either, but I'm, I know this. 98% is much greater than 2%. And when you yep. begin to look at the history, and like as again, you can't change history. The man that was responsible from 1831 to 1851 was Carl Lachman, who was a German textual critic, Conrad right. Friedrich Lachman. He right. died in 1851, or he would right. have been on the RV committee, certainly. Right. But that man uh, had had eight manuscripts from 1831 till he died in 1851, mm -hmm. and those manuscripts were used on up to 1870 using only four Four corrupt Greek manuscripts as opposed to all the rest of the Greek manuscripts extant. Right. And those manuscripts were used by Brookfoss Westcott and Fenton John Anthony Hort to produce the RV. They worked 10 years on, the, they worked on the text from 1853 up at 1871. Right. And in secret. Mm -hmm. And they didn't tell any of the translating committee yeah. on the revised version. They knew they wouldn't use their Greek text. Right, right. And they smuggled that Greek text into the committee. Yeah, shoved it on them. And then Hort was over everybody's uh, ne uh, shoulder making yeah. sure they used that Greek text. Wilberforce said, I don't know what is to be made of this most miserable business. Yeah, William Wilberforce. Yeah, about? he said, yes, yeah. he said, I'm not having I'm not having anything to do with this. And he resigned from the committee. Yeah. Well, Frederick Scribner stayed on the committee and he compromised with Westcott and Hort in order to bring the RV out, mm -hmm. which, as I said, made 36,000 changes in your King James Bible. Right. And then, then the ball began rolling. 20 years later, the American Vision Committee it was first headed by Philip Schaff and ended up with Joseph Henry Thayer, who is, by the way, the 
producer of Thayer's Lexicon. That's mm-hmm. used in most of your major Bible colleges. Thayer's Le- Joseph Henry Thayer himself became the American Vision Committee chairman. He didn't believe in the deity of Christ and didn't believe in the inspiration of Scripture and the blood atonement. Mm-hmm. In Baker's edition of Typical Thayer's Lexicon. Right. How, yeah. how, I mean, the same thing with William Jacinius, who, who was, was the head of an 1800s over all Hebrew study. The man was a German rationalist. He did not believe the Bible, didn't believe the virgin birth, didn't believe the deity of Christ, didn't believe the inspiration of Scripture. Question, audience, why would you want to appeal to a so-called yeah. scholar to give you Bible knowledge on the most holy book that's ever been produced? Why would you go to unbelievers whether they're Greek or Hebrew scholars or Aramaic or whatever, why would you go to those men for the authority instead of going to men that believe the book and love the book and gave their lives for the book and even lost their fortunes over the book? Right. That's the question. Now, in Antioch, you want to deal with Antioch? Yeah, we got time. time. We got maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. All right. In Antioch, Syria, if you study your Bible, thank God. And I, I tell people when I do these presentations, after after dredging yeah. through Sinaiticus and Vaticanus and dredging through you know, Rome and dredging, dredging through Alexandria, I tell them, I say, thank God for a breath of fresh air. <laughs> You've got an area yeah. where the disciples who had left Jerusalem because of persecution. And see, that's the reason why God sent persecution to Jerusalem. God told them to go in all the world, preach yeah. the gospel to every creature. Yeah. Well, you know how we it's Baptists like Sandy are. Creek, you know. Yeah, the yeah. Persecution came and they... Came and they, and they, 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 they dispersed. They scattered. The church went from 18 people to 600 people in yeah. one year. And then persecution came when Benjamin what, Merrill, or yeah, Benjamin Merrill uh, was 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 burned and yeah. put to death, and uh, then they began to move out and move around. Right. So, uh, uh, so these things took place uh, to get you know, get Christians out. Uh, and around the world in the 1700s. Well, right. the same thing happened in the first century. Right. The disciples, they're like Baptists. We want to stay around, fellowship, and eat, and then we hear like preaching. Eating. Yeah, we like eating. You can look at me and tell I like eating. I like it too. I just, yeah. I don't well, like I get on the scale. Comes out my feet, a little card says, one at a time, please. You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> I told the brother before we started, I said, they say the camera adds um, 10 pounds. And I said, I'm going to have to tell my wife, I'm going to stop eating them cameras, man. I'm fat enough as it is. <laughs> But anyway, Alexandria, we have Alexandria, we have Romilly, but thank God for that breath of fresh air. We have Antioch, Syria. You study your Bible. All three of the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys began in Antioch. Two of them ended there. The third would have ended there had he not gone and appealed to Caesar in Rome. So Antioch is known for faith. Amen. They're known for their faith. They were known for missions. As I said, Paul's missionary journeys began there. See, folks, when they left Jerusalem, they got together Antioch, and they had peace there for a period of time Mm -hmm. to be able to get the gospel together in one book. And then it went into Syriac, and then it went to Latin, and you know, then it went to the old Latin, by the way. Right. We'll get onto that later. Right. But then it went into the Germanic languages, and then thank God it finally it went into Greek, of course, and Germanic, and then it finally wound up in English. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at here in here in 2019. Right. We're at the jumping off place. It's yep. not gonna be in any other major language in the world because right. English, as any of you men that know about the internet, that's the language of the internet. Yeah. 
And All so, pilots have to know English. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so Antioch was used, thank God, to preserve the Word of God. Right. Not take away from it, not add to it, but to right. preserve those original Hebrew and Greek manuscripts that came uh, from, from the Old Testament and, of course, the Greek of the New Testament. And the right. church settled on those 27 books and 39 in the Old Testament, which, you know, if uh, if you if you look at little clues around the Bible, like the word Old Testament, it's three letters, nine letters, 39 books, Old Testament, right? <laughs> and then you look at you look at New Testament, right? Oh, three that, and nine. Old Testament, that's in la- what language? Hebrew. No, I'm talking about Old Testament. O-L-D-T-E-S-T? Yeah. So, it's a, in English. Yeah. Three and nine. Yeah, three and nine. And it's, that's what I'm saying. It's, like an English nugget, you know? Yeah. And there's I just 30, had to throw that in there. And there's 39 books in the Old Testament. Well, in the New Testament, you have 27 books, and three times nine is 27. Yeah. reason why that's important is because God is a mathematical God. Yeah, he is. Which Numerics. we may deal with. Yeah, Bible. No, we're not talking about numerology. Right. That's occultic. We're talking right. about numerics, Bible right. numerics, and, and I teach on that all the time, yeah. is a viable Bible study, which Amen. we may get to some before it's over Amen. with. But, but so you've got three areas, and yeah. from those three areas, the Bible went out. It went out. Uh, the old Latin went into the West, mm-hmm. and then the Syriac, Peshitta, went into the East, so that was mm-hmm. covered. You know, right. you remember in the Bible where they wouldn't let Paul, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let Paul go to the East. He had to go over to Macedonia and right. help them. Right. Well, God was going to get the East taken care of later. Right. So those translations of those original manuscripts from Syriac were in the language of the Orient a long time before the King James Bible came into being. Mm-hmm. So these that make the question, what was the Bible before the King James? If I've heard that one time, I've heard it 5,000 times. Yeah. Well, you had six major English translations from the proper text right. before the King James Bible, mm-hmm. but English was not a pure language. English was yeah. still a ragtag language. It wasn't perfected to the 16, 1700s. Yeah. That's why God waited to give us the greatest English this world has ever seen yeah. in this King James Bible. Amen. And James didn't do the translating. It was just named after him right. because he was the king and he authorized. He probably could have though. He's pretty smart guy. Oh, uh, he was a pretty smart guy. A lot of people don't yeah. know about James. They lie about him, but that man wrote a hymn about every chapter in the Psalms. Right. All one hundred and fifty. James, who was tutored in Greek and Latin growing yeah. up, very educated, very brilliant. But boy, that yeah. man's been lied on, lied on more than give anybody. Us, give us a now. This is coming up in a couple podcasts, but give us a brief summary of the thing about King James being a sodomite. If you can keep it about two minutes. All right. When James, when James was James the sixth in Scotland, of course. Uh, he took the Scottish throne when his mother was put to death, Mary, Queen of Scots. Mm-hmm. He took the throne and was called King James the Sixth. He had tutors from the time he was a year old, right? And uh, so he uh, came up through. They tried to they tried to kill him seventeen times before, but you know, during and before when he took the throne. But uh, King James, uh, when he came from Scotland to England, of course, the English didn't like Scot- the Scots. At that time, they were at war with one another, and the English thought the Scots were boorish, mm-hmm. and they were barbarians. Yeah. So when James came to the throne after his cousin, Queen Elizabeth, died, she had no children, so she bequeathed the throne to James, who was her cousin. Right. Then 
there were some men sitting on the court, on the Elizabeth's court, that hated James. Anthony yeah. Weldon was the main one. Right. And so what happened was, because James had some strange habits, some strange, uh, he was very affectionate, and he, but not in the wrong way. Right. He wrote Basilica and Doran to his, uh, to his sons, the kingly gift, and told them when they were married to be true to their wife, do not yep. commit adultery, and do never com never commit sodomy against yep. the wives. He said that it's a crime. He said it's a crime, an offense. Yep. So anyway, when James uh, came to the court, he knew that that uh, John Hackett and Anthony Weldon and John Oglander, and uh, he knew that Francis Osborne and Edward Payton. He knew that those men despised him. He mm -hmm. dismissed them from the court. Yeah. And so they just bided their time. Yeah, they had some animosity there. They did. They did. James yeah. died in 1625, mm -hmm. all right, and his son Charles took the throne. Folks, listen to me out there. North and South Carolina is named after King Charles of England, James's son. Carolus is Latin for Carolina. That's mm -hmm. Our two states are named after Charles, and they said he was a pervert just like his father. But mm -hmm. when... When uh, long short of it, you you said two minutes. I've gone. Oh, that's okay. But listen, he said the Anthony Weldon made the statement. He said these things that I've written about James, I do not want them printed until I'm dead. Mm -hmm. He died in 1649. In yeah. 1650, they printed all of that material about James. He said, and he, and he wrote a book that was went in print. It's called yeah. The Court of King James. And where he, he he never came right out and said that he was a pervert, but he he intimated it very strongly, and all that stuff has come down through the years. I've got a volume at home written in eighteen hundreds. I've just read part of it that that says Anthony Weldon had the story on King James, and he was yeah. a bold faced liar. And it takes a coward, then yeah. or now, to slander a man after he's dead, and, and where the man can't defend himself. But that's where all that came from. Not a word of truth about it. Not yeah. one word at all. Yeah. Not one word at all. Hey, Amen. Well, Brother Mitch, it's been good tonight. Um, we've we've kind of given a, an overview of things. We've talked about the three cities. And I had a note here uh, about the three cities. You, the three main races are represented by them. Yes, yes. Uh, the Latin language, of course, uh, was from North Africa, Carthage, and of course Hebrew was only a only Shemite. yeah a Shemite. Only one percent of the world ever spoke Hebrew at any time. Yet God chose to use seventy five percent of everything He wrote in the Bible in the Hebrew language mm -hmm. in the Old Testament, and so God can do that. Yeah. Amen. And then of course you had Greek, which was from Japheth, and that was yeah. the Greek was science and culture, Latin was government, mm -hmm. and Hebrew was religion. Yeah. And when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, you had that written. This is Jesus, Jesus of, uh, of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, mm -hmm. was written in those three languages. You say, why? Because he was potentate over all three. Yeah. He was potentate over government. He was potentate over uh, science, and he was potentate over religion. Yeah. And still is. That's good. Amen. Well, uh, it's been good tonight, Brother Mitch. We appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, I know these these guys will um, on the podcast. The podcast should be going live for you that are uh, watching on Facebook. Uh, podcast should be up, uh, posted, I'm thinking, probably middle of next week. 
uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, the different, you know, the main podcast stations. Uh, Lord willing, middle of next week, we'll have that posted. And thank you all for watching. And uh, good night. <laughs>